last week uh, called Hug, Hug, Kiss, Kiss, and uh, it's based on the song of songs, or some of your Bibles may say Song of Solomon. Solomon wrote 1,005 songs, so obviously he's a, he's a prolific songwriter. This is the song of songs, or this is the song of all of his songs, or he basically said, of my 1,005, this is the best one, and God apparently agreed because God put it as one of the 66 books of your Bible. There's five books of wisdom in your Bible. And uh, you've got Job, Ecclesiastes, Psalms, Proverbs, and Song of Songs. One teaches us on tragedy, wisdom and tragedy. One's wisdom with, with your emotions and, and worship. One is wisdom with just life, Proverbs. Everybody loves Proverbs, wisdom, and, and how to make good choices. But this particular book on of wisdom now uh, has to do with uh, relationships, dating, uh, falling in love, sex, uh, that's what this book is there, and, and the, 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 the problem is is that you don't hear a lot of teaching about it, and uh, the church has really not done a good job, myself included, in taking a book of wisdom about relationships and relating it to the church. And uh, if you think I'm wrong, well, statistically, if you look, we're, we're really not any better at relationships than non-Christians because we've mostly adopted a lot of the practices of the world rather than the practices of God concerning relationships and dating and courting and stuff like that. You can say amen or oh me, but uh, uh, it's the fact dating really didn't even start until 1920. It's less than 100 years old as far as dating as we know it. Uh, there was really before that, it was more of like a biblical dating. But, but after that, you started moving into uh, somewhat of kind of the way that it is now. But how many of y'all know just dating the past 10 years is a lot different? I mean, now you've got like 100 million people that are online dating and you've got profiles, you've got match.com, you've got Christian men, uh, mingle heart and soul, over 50 feeling foxy. I don't know if that's one, but... Uh, I'll sell you that domain right now for uh, for a hundred dollars if you want to go ahead and start one. Over fifty, feeling foxy. That's yeah, That's your new domain name right there. We'll just start it out. So you got th literally, I mean, tens of millions of people that are online dating, and uh, I didn't, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't use that. Didn't go through that. That really came. Uh, we've been married sixteen years, so that came uh, came uh, later. But but dating has has taken a lot of this. It's just evolved and changed, but it really, as, as it has with a lot of things uh, in, in our culture, it's kind of gotten away from uh, biblical principles. But God gave us a book uh, of wisdom to talk about things such as this. And uh, so last week we looked at affection, and we, lo we looked at in this book there's three characters, really. You have Solomon and the Shulamite, so you got the man, the woman, and you've got what's called the daughters of Jerusalem, and they chime in and, and give some pointers along the way. But, but we saw last week that they, the, the, the first chapter is all about affection. And then uh, into the second and third chapter, they actually get engaged or start courting and dating. And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. And then, then after that fourth and fifth, you have the honeymoon. They consummate the marriage and they talk about the sex for a couple of chapters. That'll be next week in our new building. Weird. Uh, uh, I did not plan that. But, and then after that, they fight for a couple of chapters. How many of y'all know that's just the way it is. Some things never change. Remember that old song? 
That's just the way it is. So you got a couple, cha- couple chapters on how to fight fair, how to fight clean. But it doesn't start that way. He kind of puts his hand through the wall at one point, gets kind of physical. Uh, and then at the end of the book, they, they have mature love or what you would call covenant love. And God gave us this book to help us run the gamut on these things. So last week, we just started looking at what they were attracted about each other. And we saw that she said, you got a good name, good character, good reputation. I can trust you with my insecurities. And, and you don't kick me while I'm down, but you love the insecurities out of me. And, and I want to spend time with you and you spend time with me. But there is a standard. I'm not going to be like the veiled women. And that just meant the prostitute. She said, I'm not going to be a girl like that girl, like those other girls. That ain't me, babe. Oh, no, no, no. It ain't me, babe. It ain't me you're looking for, babe. I'm very musical today. Just very musical. God bless Bob Dylan. So last week was all about affection, and this week we're going to move into, because they, 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 they've got this attraction going pretty, pretty steamy, pretty hot and heavy now. They just really like each other a whole bunch. Now we're moving into what we would call dating, what, you know, in the 50s they would call courting, but really we're moving into their engagement, that this is them being engaged. Now if you're here, and there's a lot of you, you're like, oh, Lord have mercy. We're going to talk about dating. I've been married like 40 years. Or you say, I've, I've got divorced and I'm never getting married again. Or you say, well, I'm, I'm single and I've been dating forever. Wherever you're at in this spectrum, I don't want you to check out. I don't want you to unplug because you're going to see some things that God needs all of us on board with this, helping at least the generation coming up below us. At least you can listen for that. Furthermore, this book I told you last week is an allegory. Or that just means it shows us the relationship of a man and a woman and their cycle of love. But it also shows us the relationship of God and His people. It shows us the revelation of, the, of Jesus and His bride, the church. And, and, and the same uh, things that you go through with the person of the opposite sex, God is saying here, that's how I want to be with you. I want you to be attracted to me. I want you to find out about my godly character, my good name, my reputation. I want you to find out that you can trust me and and I'm not going to kick you while you're down, but I'm going to love you through your insecurities. I want you to know that I want to spend time with you and there is a standard that I'm going to hold you to. So this is not just about dating between a man and a woman. It's actually also, it's about us and the church. And I want you to see this morning, I told you last week that God goes out of his way to make him himself attractive to you he tells you he says come unto me all of you are heavy laden I'll give you rest he says I'll give you peace that passes understanding he says my mercy is for your past my grace is for your future he goes out of his way for for you and I to say man he is really good he, he makes himself attractive to us. Well, this, th- this morning, I want you to see that he's not interested in just being a casual relationship with you. He's interested in having a committed relationship. He's, he's interested in putting a ring on it. That's what he's interested in. So he's not interested in speed dating you. He's interested in having, so if you got your worship guide, there's a couple of blanks there. The first one is that God's not interested in having a casual relationship with you. God is interested in having a committed relationship with you. So as we go through this, I want you to not just be thinking about a man and a woman, but also think about your relationship with God. But there's three seasons, and the title of this message this morning is just perfect seasoning. 
Now, uh, hopefully, if you live in the dirty south like we do, if you were born on the bayou, hopefully, you know a little bit about seasoning. Hopefully, you understand a little bit about seasoning. If you don't, you're at the wrong place. You need to go back up with them Yankees. Because down here, we know all about seasoning, right? Well, there's a perfect seasoning. And what I really want to look at this morning is uh, different seasons. And I want to start, the first scripture I want to give you this morning is in Ecclesiastes, which was also written by Solomon. And this is another wisdom book. And you're familiar with this scripture. In chapter 3, he says there is a season for everything. There's a season for everything. Now, we know seasons as summer, spring, winter, and fall. I can't help it today, y'all. I can't help it. Y'all understand that there are different seasons. And so I want to look at three different seasons that these, that these individuals, these couples go through. And you're going to see that, that most of you have probably gone through these seasons yourself so but but I really want you to uh, see and, and embrace the season that you're in so whatever season you're in right now I want you to embrace that season so the first season if you got your worship God is the season of perfection or you could say the season of infatuation they've gotten attracted to each other they've seen some things that they like about each other and, and now that they're moving from just being attracted to each other to now they're courting or they're actually becoming engaged here. And you're going to see in, in chapter 2, verse 8. This is hilarious, y'all. Season of perfection. Listen, my lover. Look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains Bounding over the hills, my lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. Thank you, Cora. Could be young stud, as you would say. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. My lover spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. Woo! Isn't that ooshy-gooshy? Listen, these people right here are in a season of perfection. Or in other words, they see each other like each other is perfect. He's perfect. She's Perfect. Oh, he can do no wrong. Look, he's like a gazelle. I watch him as he leaps about across the mountains. He's like a young stag. A little heavier stag, but a stag no less. No less a stag, yes. Yes, a little middle-aged stag, but he's my stag. And he can do no wrong. He's, oh, he's peering through my window and he's saying, Darling, come out, my darling. I'm waiting for you. And they're in this season right here where each other is perfect. The problem with this season is, is that they're not perfect. 
That's the problem. If you're married in here, if you're a guy, is she perfect? Y'all have been trained. <laughs> Liars, but trained. Oh, gosh, that's awesome. All right, ladies, is he perfect? No way, no way. All the ladies are like, no, and all the men, poor men, golly. I was not anticipating that, but I guess I should have thought that because I probably would have been like, yeah, yeah, please don't hurt me. Uh, but neither one of them are perfect. So what that tells us or what that should tell you is if, if you're in a season of this infatuation where you think each other is perfect, they're not perfect because in a few chapters he's going to put his fist through the wall. So they're, they're not perfect people, but in this season we feel like people are perfect, but, but they aren't perfect, so that just means you can't trust you. You can't trust you. You can't trust you to determine these things. You just can't. You can't, you can't trust you to, to figure out if, if he or she is perfect. So you got to stay with somebody long enough for these emotions to wear off. Psychologists say that infatuation lasts from one day to six months. Some of y'all know exactly what All of y'all have been there before. How many of y'all remember this? And, and it can happen at 14, or it can happen at 28, or it can happen at 58. You meet someone, you become attracted to them, it moves into a fat infatuation, and you feel like they're perfect, they're perfect, there's nothing. But the problem is they aren't perfect, and you can't trust you. So you have to watch yourself. And I've got lots of young people here that are 12 and 13 and 14 and 15. i got parents here. And in this season here, you got to really watch this, this time of infatuation and there's three things because I've been thinking because I've got a daughter that's eight and in 20 years I'm going to allow her to date and uh, <laughs> I've already decided when she turns 28 I'm going to be like all right it's time uh, until that point just kidding she's eight but there will come a time to where she's got there's going to be some attraction right maybe she'll be 13 or 15 whatever it is and if i don't monitor if i don't watch that it's going to turn into a fatuation but the problem is is that she's not quite mature enough for that right so it's going to be up to me to limit their time together limit their talking and limit their touching so whether you're 28, some of you need to just go ahead and take this down for, for you because you're going to enter relationships in the next 12 months. And, and you, there may be some infatuation there where you think that they're perfect, but you better stick around long enough to find out they aren't perfect because my man here is sitting outside the window peering and he's saying, oh, I'll wait forever for you. You give him six months and he's going to be like, put a stinking hat on, let's go, we're late. We're just going to get boudin at Market Basket. We don't need to get dressed up. Who rolls their hair to go to Bildos and get gumbo? Get in the car. But my man right here, he's looking through the lattice and his darling, his love, I'll wait forever for you. You could take as long as you want to get dressed, my dove, my buttercup. You give that about three months and I can tell you, Hit the road, Jack. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? That infatuation, it, it'll totally wear off. So, so for me, I have to watch. I say, the time that they spend together, I, Ansley, Noble Burns, y'all spend time together in groups, right? And the time that you spend, I want you to spend time with me, right? I want to get to know Knucklehead and Knuckleheadette. 
uh, I want to get to know the boy and the girl, right? Because uh, if y'all ever make it, you know, if you're 18 or 20 or whatever, and y'all, I'm going to be married to them too. So I got to monitor their time. I got to monitor their talk. All this, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. It's like you're, you're 12. But I love you, I love you. I'll have to watch that. Why? Because they're building a foundation that, they, that there's a lot of pressure there. On that foundation, once you start talking like that, and when the foundation, it'll start to crack, and then you've got young people or 28-year-olds or 48-year-olds, I love them, I love them. Listen, you have to monitor, you have to lay a foundation there that's strong enough that can hold up these words. And, of course, you have to monitor, you have to watch the touch, right? Four on the floor. Four feet on the floor, right? Because something happens. You're sitting there, and those shaved legs come across the lap, how many of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about, right? You, if you don't, a man, his hands, they're only going to stay on your back so long. They just are. So, so they're, they're, I have to, as a parent, I, have to, I would have to limit these things, but also as an adult, as a dating individual, you have to watch or monitor these things because you're in this season of perfection. And you think they're perfect. They're per we talk all the time. We, we do this with it. Everything's perfect, but, but they aren't perfect. So you have to work some, and they go through this, right? They, they, they're, they're at this stage. He's amazing. He's amazing. She's going to find out in a couple chapters. He's not all he's cracked up to be. He's flawed. He's a beast is what he is. She's a beast, right? They're two individuals that are learning how to not be perfect, but to see each other perfectly with God's eyes. And that's a challenge. So the first season is season of perfection because you can't trust you. The next season is season of preparation. Look at this, Psalms chapter 2, just down a couple of verses. She says, see, the winter is past. Now, we all know winter is a what? It's a season. And they're saying here, they're saying winter is past. Now, look at her. She says, she says flowers appear on the earth. The rains are over and gone. The season of singing has come. That's the season of spring. So they just came out of winter, or winter, I want you to write in there, is just a season of preparation. Season of preparation. And, and I'll, I'll, I want to sympathize with some of you. Uh, that are in a winter right now because winters can be cold. They can be lonely. They can be depressing. Particularly if you're a person that's trying to live honorably and godly and date at the same time and find a, a potentially good suitor. You're, you're at even more of a disadvantage, not a disadvantage, but you understand what I'm saying? It's harder because you're saying, I have a standard that I've set, but a lot of these other people don't have the same standard. My friends don't have the same standards. The people that are messaging me on Match.com don't have the same standard. So it's even, but again, to me, some of this goes back to, to our dating that, that we've allowed to come in as as, as parents, maybe we didn't do, my parents didn't monitor my dating. And I had great parents, you understand? My parents, good, God's glory-filled, spirit-filled, great parents. But still, whenever it came to my, to my dating and stuff, they were just, they really didn't talk about it. We were just kind of non-existent. You just kind of date and do kind of whatever you want. And, uh, and they would ask me, say, are you dating back? No. No. Right, right. I could have been dating somebody. They just never wanted to know, no. Don't talk about it. It's off, it's off limits. No, no, no. But but for 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 those of you that say, well, I I feel like I'm in winter. There's a couple things, and I've got to hurry. Uh, winter is healing. Sometimes God will have you in a season of winter so that you can heal. 
because you came out of a bad relationship. And he'll have you in a season of winter so that you can heal emotionally, spiritually, because there was a bad, there was, it was a bad time there. Uh, so, so winter's healing, but also winter's preparation. God will have you in a season of winter so you learn how to balance your checkbook. You learn how to hold down a job because if you had uh, something else, then you're, you're not quite ready for that. And I'm not talking to anybody specific. You're like, what if it's me? No, it's not you. I'm saying in, in general there, that God will have you sometimes in a season of winter. And sometimes there's just not really great eligible people that have the same standards that you do. But she says, winter is past. My dove, look at verse 14. She says, my dove is in the cleft of the rocks, in the hiding places on the mountainsides. Show me your face. I want you to underline, show me your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Two things I want to give you during the season of preparation. Uh, in traditional Jewish teaching, you understand the people that wrote this, 5,000 years ago, Abraham married Sarah and began the Jewish nation. Well, in their traditional Jewish culture, uh, the, the, the young man would find a particular girl and he wants to marry her and the daddy would go with the boy, talk to her mama and daddy, and, 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 and they would basically become engaged at that point because they're interested in each other. And then for the next 12 months, that boy would begin to build a house. And the daddy would watch how that boy builds. But what was also interesting is whenever that young lady was born, they would plant a pine tree. Whenever the young man was born, they would plant a cedar tree. Once they decided that it was time for them to get married, the man, the boy, would cut down his cedar tree. The girl would cut down the pine tree. And the boy would take the wood from the cedar and the pine. And for 12 months, he would build a house out of their tree. And that would be the house that they lived together in. That would be the house that they consummated their marriage in. So as the pine grows, so the girl grows. And it was a constant reminder that one day this tree will be cut down and it'll turn into a home for our daughter. And then the, 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 as the cedar would grow, the parents would watch the cedar grow and watch the boy grow, knowing that one day he'll put an axe to that tree and he's going to take the combined wood and he's going to build what was called a huppa. H-U-P-P-A-H. And for 12 months or about 12 months, you know, could be shorter or a little longer because it was up to the daddy. If they asked the boy, they said, boy, when's the, when's the wedding? He'd say, it's up to my dad because my dad is inspecting the house that I'm building. My dad is inspecting my preparation. The daddy was there watching over the preparation of the boy. The girl's mother was on this side training and preparing her for the day that she would step into this home that he built. So, so winter's just preparation, and you can't, you can't underestimate preparation. My wife and I, we got married, honestly, unprepared. We, we were in Bible college together. We'd, we'd, we were going into full-time ministry. We got no premarital counseling. We read no books on marriage. And within a year and a half, I can tell you the infatuation was it had wore off completely. There was none left, right? It was close to murder. 
just real close, right? So we split up. We separated. And we're both full-time. We're, we're, we're pastors. We're children's pastors. And doing great. Doing great. I mean, we'd, we'd already taken it from, you know, 30 kids to, I don't know, 100 kids, 150 kids. I don't know. We, we, so on, on, on the outside fronts, it looked like everything was really good. And in winter, there's not, there's not much happening up top, but the roots continue to grow. Right? But we never really had that. We just didn't have, there was no building of no house. We just had infatuation, which was like, dude, bow, chicha, bow, bow. You are all that. I like all of you. I'm infatuated with you. And I can assure you she was infatuated with me. (laughs) Assured. But we didn't have the preparation. And and then once the infatuation wore off, then then we split up. So for six months, we had to redate. And I would drive down and we would we would redate. And and I read like five books on marriage, and at least five in those six months. I read about a book a month, and I and I just begin to build a house and say, hey hey, this is this is what uh, I should be doing. And we really went from dating to depth, right? And what we had there, it, it, what we finally ended up having, what which is intimacy. Psychologists tell you there's three levels, and you can write these down in your worship guide. There's three levels of communication. The first one is cliche, which is just like you basically aimlessly talk. The second one is, is uh, you're just transferring information. How's your day? Good. How's yours? Good, good, good. All right. I'll see you. You know, you basically have a gardener, right, and a maid living together, right? And then you hear, you hear couples say, we just pass each other in the hall. We just pass each other in the hall. The third level, the highest level of communication is intimacy. So really what you should have after infatuation, there should be a season of, how long does that have to be, six months, 12 months? I have no idea. I'm just telling you that Jewish people, they would take up to 12 months to help prepare. And not only was the mom and daddy involved, but where we traditionally have bridesmaids and groomsmen, there were men that helped the young man. Those were his groomsmen. There were women that helped the young woman. Those were her bridesmaids. And their job was literally to protect the purity of these two individuals before they consummated the marriage. That was their job. How many of y'all know that the traditional bridesmaid and groomsmen, that is not the job? in 2016 to protect their purity. Now it's, let's go to Vegas, whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But God's original design, or their original design, was there was, there was, there was families involved that were watching and nurturing this thing. There was preparation involved, and there was peers involved that were watching. And, and, and that way, on the day, wedding day, whenever they stood there, there was people there that said, I helped bring them together, and I helped ward off things that tried to separate them, even their own selves sometimes. I, I was there. But, but the, the, the intimacy there, should, during this season, you should be cultivating that. And I'll say this to all of us that have been married more than 10 years, 15 years. We have to, st- we have to keep cultivating this, right? Because sometimes we think that being close by is the same as being close to, Right? We share the same toilet, we share the same toothpaste, we share the same refrigerator, we share the same bed, we share the same car. And because we share everything, because we're close by, we're close to. But that's not right. So, so we have to keep cultivating this intimacy, this third, the highest level of communication. We have to do that. So, so they go from a season of infatuation. They're perfect, they're perfect, they're perfect. Now they enter into a season of 
preparation. And that's why whenever she says, where, where is my husband? Uh, he's in the clefts of the rock. He's in the hiding places in the mountainsides. He's preparing that huppa. And actually, the next, next couple of verses, I won't read them, but she goes out and she looks for, for this man. She says, I looked, I searched everywhere in the city. I could not find him. Where is he? I could not find him. Finally, the watchman of the wall and came and told me where he was. He was preparing this huppa. That's where he was. He was making this, getting this thing ready for her. All right, the last one is season of purity. Season of purity verse number 15 song of songs chapter 2 verse 15 they've gone through their perfection they've gone through their preparation but now watch this song of songs chapter 2 verse 15 he says catch for us the foxes the little foxes that ruin the vineyards our vineyards that are in bloom. What is he talking about there? Exactly what you think he's talking about. He says, catch for us, there's some foxes. And you have to understand, they, they lived by these vineyards, right? I mean, that produced their everything. I mean, their livelihood was tied to these vineyards. And before the grapes would come on to these vines, there would be a bloom and then a bud, a little sweet bud that, that, that would be... Uh, before the grapes come, this is what comes out, and foxes would get up in there and would run up in the branches of these vineyards and would eat the buds or would eat the blooms off of these vines. And here he says we need to catch these foxes because he says if I don't, if we don't, he says they're going to ruin the vineyards. What is their vineyards? That's their bodies. And we know that because in chapter 1, she says, I'm dark, I'm dark, I'm real dark because I didn't take care of my vineyard, meaning her body. She didn't take care of her body. So here he's saying, listen, there, there's a vineyard here which is your purity and my purity. And he says, if we don't watch, if we don't catch these foxes, he says, our vineyards are in bloom. In other words, both of us are really attracted to each other, like a lot. But he says there are these foxes that will come in and will destroy uh, our, our vineyard, will destroy what, what we've got going here. What I want you to notice here is this is Solomon speaking. Very interesting. In other words, Solomon initiates the purity. Solomon is the one that laid the standard and said, you have a vineyard and I want to protect it. And I don't want anything to mess up the vineyard before the bloom, before the harvest. It was the male or the man that said, I'm going to set the standard for how far we go intimately in this relationship. It was him that did it. One of the most recent things that I've, I've uh, some of y'all are familiar with Russell Wilson. You know, Russell Wilson, he's a quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, he's dating this lady named Ciara or something like that. She's ugly just kidding she's beautiful right she's a beautiful lady you know he's a tens of millions of dollars he makes as a quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks I think he was the youngest person to ever win as a quarterback to ever win uh, the Super Bowl you know but he's dating this this lady and she's I guess she's divorced or had a kid out of wedlock she has a child has a has a kid together but he kind of set the standard whenever they started dating and he says we're not sleeping together 
And I've watched several interviews on it. And uh, it, it's really interesting. But, but he just sets the standard. He says, listen, I'm a Christian. I serve God. I seek God. And he's probably, I don't know that he's perfect. I don't know, I don't know where he's at in his past. But at, at, the, at his life now, and I don't know where you're at or what's going on with you. And, and I only know what's going on with her because she's the one that states it. She says, listen, I've got a kid. I've got a child. I've done this in the past. But what we're focusing on right now, our preparation. And we're protecting our purity right now and they've been dating maybe a year and I just read an article last week she says it is so hard to keep my hands off of him because I think he's the most beautiful person I've ever laid eyes on in my life and I'm sure he's like I second that I think you're the most beautiful wonderful thing I've ever laid eyes on in my entire life but they set the standard and they said we're in a season now of purity and we don't want to let foxes come in and mess up what, what, what we believe God wants for us, even though they had a past. So if you have a past here, whatever. Listen, I told you last week, this is not about your past. This is about going forward. This is not about looking back. This is about looking forward and, and, and just saying, hey, I want to make sure that I look beyond just the perfection and that I make sure that there's a huppa that's been built. There, there's intimacy that's there besides just, he's great, he's great, he's great. Because uh, I don't know if... If you if you remember this, but I remember doing this as a kid, I really wasn't a kid, but kind of like a, you would get pretty intimate with people because you talk to them all the time. How many of y'all remember dating? You just like talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, and you're like on the phone, and you say, "Okay, I've really got to go to bed. I'm gonna hang up now." And then they're like, "Yeah, me too. I'm gonna hang up." You're like, "You hang up first. No, no, you hang up first. You hang up for, on the count of three, we're going to hang up together. Am I the only one? <laughs> Y'all liars. One, two, three. You didn't hang up. I know, I just can't quit talking to you. I just want to talk to you so much. I just want to talk to you. I just love you so much. And you stay up to like three o'clock in the morning talking about who's going to hang up first. Right? You just can't get enough of each other. Well, there's, that, there's intimacy. And that's important, right? That's important for, for whenever, we had, whenever we were engaged for a year, it was important for us to develop some of that. But, but even beyond that, there still has to be some pract practical preparation, right? So, so winter is you developing your intimacy, but it's also developing some real practical things here. The last verse I want to give you this morning is... Uh, Concerning this verse, there's, there's nothing wrong with these feelings that they're having for each other. They're, they're the right feelings, but they're the wrong season. Right? So we're, we're talking about these seasons here and the, 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 the feelings that they have for each other. Right? The feelings that Russell Williams and his lady, have, Wilson, have for each other. They're the right feelings. They're just the wrong season. Totally normal, right? It's, it's, it's totally normal. God made you that way, right? God, God gave us the institution of marriage and courting and engagement and the honeymoon. All of that stuff come from God. The devil perverted it, but it came from him. So there's nothing wrong with all of that stuff. It's the right feelings. It's just the wrong season. So I'm going to read you this. We're going to end with this verse. This verse is found four times 
in the book of Song of Solomon. We ended with it last week and we're going to end with it this week because it just happens to fall out the way that it falls. But, but again, this is the second out of the four. Must be pretty important if it's repeated four times in this book. And here, verse, uh, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 5, Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Because if you notice, if you kept reading there, she, she, she just keeps falling more madly in love over this. Why? Well, because of the affection that, that we talked about last week. And now there's an intimacy that's being born. There's preparation. The, the huppa has been built Right, and they're nearing next week we get to the actual wedding, right? The next chapter, they actually have the wedding and consummating the marriage inside this huppa that, that he's built with these two trees. So they're getting really close here at the end of their engagement, and yet they shut it down again and they say, Hey, let's not arouse this thing before it's time because it's not time yet. But next week is going to be time. So we're going to get into that. Next week, hey, we're going to keep it. We're not going to go over the top with it. It'll be PG-13. But really, I'm going to, we're going to read it just the way that it is. Just, just the way that it is. That's the way we're going to read it. That's what I've tried to do up until this point. But listen, today was all about you being perfected, right? But you're not perfect. You're preparation and protecting your purity. And I want to close just with this final thought of... We talked about God and Him wanting to have a relationship with us. And then we went into husbands and wives or dating people. I want to bring you back to this original thought. This is, the, this is how God wants to have a relationship with you. This is how God, He wants you to be attracted to Him. But now He wants you to be infatuated with Him. Right? He wants you to, to come and talk to Him and say, God, you're like this. God, you're like this. God, I see you like this. Up on the mountain, when the mountain would come down, God, I see you like this. God, I'm infatuated with you. God, you are perfect. That, that you are the one for me. You're one and only God. And then, but, but you have to go into a season of preparation. And I'll say this. This is where a lot of people get off track with their relationship with each other, but also with their relationship with God. That lots of people, they're real infatuated. They're perfect, they're perfect, perfect. Then they find out they aren't perfect, so then they go find another person. And then there's infatuation. They're perfect, perfect, perfect. They find out they're not perfect, and then they go to another person. Listen, whenever it comes to you serving God, the same thing happens. God's awesome, God's awesome, God's awesome, God's awesome, God's awesome. But then you'll hit winter. And you think, where's God? Where is God? And He's bringing you to a season of preparation. And in that preparation, He wants to develop your faith. He wants to develop your love. He wants to teach you how to honor. He wants to teach you how to stick it out. He wants to teach you how to stand your ground against the devil. He wants to take you through this season of perfection. But how many times do people that they get saved and they ask Jesus into their heart and they begin to serve God, but then all of a sudden bad things start happening. I was just talking to a guy last week uh, whenever I preached in Alexandria. He's like, he's like, man, the minute I got saved, my house burned down. He lists like four things that were like horrible. Like literally, he said, my house burned down. I lost my job and all this. And, and, and I said, listen, anytime you make moves towards serving God, you get all pumped up about it. God's awesome. God's awesome. Listen, there is strategies that come against you. There is winters that come against you, but you have to push through those winters. 
And if you'll push through those winters, you'll come out and you'll find out He'll make you strong. In your weaknesses, He'll make you strong. In, in those midnight hours, He'll teach you to sing and to rejoice when you don't feel like it. He'll teach you to give when you, ain't, you don't feel like giving. You've got two mites like the widow woman. right? And he, but He'll challenge you during those winter months. He's preparing you. He's building a structure, a huppa. He's building a place for you and Him to live and to well. But you have to protect that. And there'll be lots of other things that'll come in and try to contaminate your purity with God. Lots of entertainment will try to come in and contaminate. These little foxes will come into you and God's relationship in the middle of your infatuation, in the middle of your preparation. These foxes come in and try to disrupt that purity that you have. Sometimes it's your own kinfolk. Sometimes it's your friends. Sometimes it's relationships. And you have to watch those foxes because God's trying to prepare you and build you and do something with you so that you'll be fruitful and you'll multiply and for your, your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' kids' kids, there's a legacy of this thing that you went through with God. But you have to protect all of these seasons with Him, just like you have to protect your own seasons, your own purity, your own preparation, your own perfection. Let me pray for you this morning. Thank you, Father God.